0: Welcome to Ruthie's Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. I would like to remember exactly when I met Sam Taylor-Johnson. Was it at the Tate in 1998 when she was awarded the Turner Prize? Or the day she entered the River Cafe, a beautiful young woman with her first baby, Angelica, in her arms? Was it when she came to see Richard with a book of her astonishing photographs, were we just invited to a wild and glamorous party in her home that was part of, as Sam says, the blur of what London was in the late 90s and when was the last time I sat with Sam was it in a bar with the love of her life, Aaron or recently when they missed a flight to Sicily and joined a lunch and how often have I asked where is Sam in London preparing to direct her Amy Winehouse movie trekking in Nepal, in the south of France with Elton, or looking for a school in Somerset for her young daughters. The one thing I can always know is that wherever she is, whatever she is creating, Sam is an extraordinary woman. I love her.
2: Oh. <laughs> How do I go okay. into that without uh, tears streaming down uh, my well, cheeks? Well, we go into it with food. <laughs> We can start off with a recipe that you chose, which is risotto with porcini and giroles. One kilogram of mixed fresh porcini and giroles, cleaned and chopped. Extra virgin olive oil, one garlic clove peeled and finely chopped, one teaspoon of fresh thyme, one liter of chicken stock, 100 grams of unsalted butter, one medium red onion finely chopped, 300 grams of risotto rice, 250 milliliters of extra dry vermouth. Now, that's the thing that sends me running around the house when I'm about 10 minutes into cooking it, just like, do we have vermouth? Do we have vermouth? Ah, read a recipe twice. 200 okay. grams of parmesan freshly grated. Um... I actually cooked this last night. I so thought I'd practice just to remind myself what happened about five minutes in, Aaron. Aaron's here. What did, what happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where
2: the is f- <laughs> the vermouth? Do we have vermouth? I can't make this without the vermouth. I'm That's gonna so go. annoying the pantry again. Everyone was running around trying to no, find the vermouth. No, no, it's um But it's what makes it. In a frying pan, heat three tablespoons of olive oil. Add the mushrooms with the chopped garlic and thyme. Season and fry for a couple of minutes until any liquid has evaporated. In a saucepan, heat the butter with the remaining olive oil. Add the chopped onion and cook until the onion is soft. Add the rice and stir. Now, what's so great about this recipe is it's really good if you want to have people around for dinner but not necessarily engage with them the entire Mm. time. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I because can't talk you have- to you
0: about the latest movie, I'm stirring a risotto. Yeah. Exactly, I'm, yeah.
2: I'm stirring a risotto but it sort of also gives you something to do so you're, you know, you're active yeah. if you're not sure what to talk about. It's sort of a perfectly sociable, unsociable meal to cook pour in the vermouth and cook until it's been absorbed stirring all the while then adding the hot stock ladle by ladle continue to cook until the rice is al dente add the wild mushrooms the remaining butter the parmesan and the chopped parsley and
0: the best
2: risotto ever
0: good it's comforting risotto but this was the
2: first thing i ever cooked from your cookbook which is why i think it was in one of the earlier ones yeah i'm going to be brave and attempt a risotto
0: did you cook when you were a kid? Did you? Were you? No, no not yeah.
2: at all. I didn't grow up in an environment where cooking was celebrated. Food was made mm. to eat, to yeah. live. Um, frozen pizzas, mm-hmm. margarine. You know that that was food to put in when sure. you come home from school. Make for yourself and and eat just to. So make
0: make for yourself. So would you sit down to a family meal or was everybody kind of taking care of themselves? I almost
2: can't remember family meals. Mm. So I think that's, again, why I feel so excited about a kitchen very alive with food being cooked and bread being baked and
0: aromas
2: Mm. and activity. Mm. Because ours was definitely not not that
0: environment. Mm. Sometimes I talk to people who grew up with the romantic idea of the family sitting down to a family supper mm. and sitting and talking about the day. And some some people described having a mother that worked the night shift or a mother or father who came home from work and were exhausted or they came home from work and they would prefer to do homework with you than cook. I mean, there are many reasons mm. why... The image of the family meal perhaps is somewhat romanticized, but it is important, something that, as you say, we we try and create for our kids. But you didn't have a role model for that. So you had the no. reverse, but you changed it for your own family.
2: I did have the the reverse. And, it, and you know, sometimes, especially doing something like this, you you sort of look back and try and find that memory. Now, I definitely remember my mom made a dish that she would be proud of, which was a rabbit dish with mustard, I think. Yeah, that's and quite sophisticated. Yeah. But that was something that was that would come out, I don't know, It would be a big thing, Mm. Um, but the rest of the time it was more survival. Mm. What was she doing, or your father doing? Was your father there? It was my stepfather, really. Who I who my sort of that part of my life is more of a memory. Mm. And so, do you think they were doing other things rather than cook, or did they just not? It's a complicated history, and it's hard to go into. Not because not because it, it is sort of full of sort of trauma and pain, but it's more that I actually have this sort of almost blackout of I don't actually have yeah. that much memory from yeah. that time in my life. And also, if I do go into it or I talk about it, I sort of feel or hope that I've evolved to a place where I don't, I don't want to sort of talk yeah. about it with malice. It's not that they were working. I think it was more struggle, survival and mm. mental health, to mm. be honest, and a, mm. lot, of, a lot of just um, difficult scenarios. Yeah. Did you
0: have grandparents? Do your parents
2: yeah, grandparents Yeah, but they—they they, they died when I was quite young, so I don't really have a memory of them in terms of, you know, I had sort of, I had a great auntie Gladys and a great uncle Les, who I felt very close to, who lived in Shepherd's Bush. There was a lot of time around their house in Shepherd's Bush, and they were very much the sort of meat and two veg. Were they? And I remember going home one day and saying to my auntie Gladys, I say, like, I won't, I can't have roast chicken. I'm a vegetarian, and mm. she said. Well, chicken's not really an animal. It's not really an animal. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you can eat it. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but uh, but that was a sort of stability for me. They were the you know the stable hold, the home yeah. where I would go to as a student and know that I could be fed. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Did you? Struggle with food? Did you enjoy it? Did you? In, when yeah, you, and did I did. You have I, school lunch when you were?
2: I did, but I was a free school dinners kid, so where I was in the opposite queue to my friends. Well they had different queues? They had different queues. That's disgusting! <laughs> there <It> was the <laughs> okay. queue on the left, which well, was the you know the t- regular that's queue out of Dickens, isn't oh, no. it? Oh, no. <laughs> and then no. there was the free school dinners line, and and I wasn't always in the free school dinners line. There were moments where I was in it, and there were moments where I could bounce over to the other side. And I just always remember the dread of oh today I have to go in the free school dinners line and and that feeling of just like oh you know, feeling separate from all your friends and and just that sort of feeling of a little bit of shame that comes with yeah, that. Yeah, a little
0: or maybe a lot.
2: So you had school lunches and then yeah, came school home. School lunches to... and then home. Yeah, mostly yeah, frozen pizzas. Where did you go out? Um, Firstly, in London until I was 11 in Streatham, and then after that we moved to the countryside, to Sussex. But that was a big shock. I was what? terrified of trees. Are you? It was yeah, so funny because yeah. I was such an urban girl until yeah. then, and then the idea that I had to walk down these country lanes with trees was mm. quite funny. Interesting because
0: a lot of the people that I've talked to think about the way they struggled in their youth, whether they were from another country whether their parents were uncomfortable in being in england whether they um, or in the united states wherever they were people who struggled with money um, with divorce and and all this is to do you know with food and Mm. how those memories um, evolve and also i don't know if you feel but they measure, and I don't know if you do, measure their almost their success by being able to order something delicious on the menu. Mm. Paul McCartney (laughs) being able to order a good glass of wine. Mm. Was something a way that they measured their their own success? Do you feel that?
2: Totally. I mean, we never ate out, so eating out really came to me in adult life. And I think that the first time I realized food was... For pleasure, yeah yeah <laughs> was actually a um a college trip to Rome or post college I can't really remember, but we went to a you know small little restaurant and mm-hmm. I ordered something because I had absolutely no idea what to expect it's a tagliatelle with lemon lemon mm-hmm. pasta mm-hmm. and I remember eating it and just having this sort of total you know explosion of flavor and and thoughts and feelings about is this what food can can be mm. and and that feeling of tasting something which just kind of completely opens your your mind to potential i mm. guess and that and that you know it wasn't expensive it was affordable and that i could eat this amazing food and not frozen pizzas mm. was a when, revelation when, yeah that's it yeah <laughs> and probably in my sort of probably when i was about 19 i think then you went to art school. Then I went maybe, to art yeah. school in Hastings, which what was, was like a like? massive turning point of excitement in my life. Yeah. And then after that, into London for art school. I always think it's another conversation about artists, mm-hmm. that creating
0: art is a very solitary yeah. activity that you are in your studio and you paint and everybody... Sort of had this kind of wild nights of eating and drinking together because mm. it was so solitary during the day. Yeah. Did, did you find that, or was it? Was yeah, a- I
2: think I think art school for me was like a huge door had opened into a world of so much possibility and excitement. And I feel like for the first two years when I was at Hastings, I was just sort of wide-eyed and in sort of slight shock that I was in this environment and just kept very mm. quiet and then I went to North East London Polytechnic which was a very robust sort of shipbuilding yard mm. feeling because I was in the sculpture department and then I I left there after the first year and went to Goldsmiths which by comparison felt like a sort of Swiss finishing school mm. because people were very elegant and they were talking about ideas and I and I again I felt very like I was sort of sitting on the outside watching and feeling this environment being so alien was that the days of michael craig martin and damien yeah. and, and tracy it and- was and and the freeze had just happened so there was a lot of debate around this huge exhibition that had sort of thrown all these young artists that were still mm-hmm. at art school onto the map and there was a sort of freeze and an antifreeze mm-hmm. and And I just sort of sat again and sort of listened and felt the debates between everything and everyone, but sort of also knew I was in the eye of a storm and eye of a a very exciting... Transitional moment in the art world because these artists, like Damien had a studio outside mm. of art school and was already, you know, functioning as an artist and selling and having exhibitions and mm. Gary Hume and Sarah Luca, you know, it all was just this sort of bubbling energy that I felt but didn't quite know how to access because I was mm. still sort of feeling a bit quiet on the outside. It really took... Going to Tracy Emin and Sarah Lucas had a little shop in mm. in, the, in the East End, just off of Brick Lane, and it really took going to that little shop to feel that anything was possible, mm. that anything they made was art. And they were artists and they were allowing themselves to be that. And it was that moment for me that was quite pivotal in understanding I could allow myself to be an artist. That I I could actually sort of say it out loud and actually be creative. And I think up until then, you you know, you sort of feel like you're um, in the wrong place at the wrong time and and you're not meant to be there feeling.
0: Were you as adventurous in your I guess development as an artist as maybe in food did you go to Chinese restaurants or at Indian restaurants did you Indian drink tequila, restaurants drink whiskies or no wines Indian restaurants or, was yeah.
2: was absolutely where we all went because once i kind once i you know became friends with Tracy we all would, you know, sort of be in that neighbourhood and we'd all, you know, go in and out of all the different Indian restaurants around that area and find our favourites and, and that's where we would gather. I felt like um, exactly how you said earlier about McCartney saying, it was a measure of success. I'm growing into my own person because mm. I understand food. Mm. I'm growing into my own person because I can take myself to a restaurant and yeah. I can actually order something that's completely different to anything i've ever tried before mm. and i think it is it's a feeling of one you're sort of stepping into being an adult but also you're stepping into um sort of a feeling of new success not necessarily you know a huge financial ex- success but beginning to be able to take yourself places yeah. My first job as a waiter would have been um, when I was at school. I worked in a local beef eater steakhouse and used to have to wear a beef eater uniform, little apron. Is um, it? Little apron, yeah. and then um, Vic Nailers and Clarkmore. Do you remember Vic Nailers and Clarkmore? It was a great restaurant, and I, I mean, it was just fun, fun, fun. But it was also terrible because I used to, we all used to get absolutely trashed. And yeah. I remember going to a table and someone said, "Do you have any bread?" And I said, yes, let me go and get it. And then it was just up the road from St. John. And I said, quick, where's the bread? They're like, oh, we don't have any. Can you run to get some from St. John? Absolutely. I ran to St. John. And then my then manager was sat at the bar. He said, like, come and have a drink with me.
1: See, and I yeah. sat down
2: and had a drink, which turned into two. And I was oh, the bread. bread. Quickly That's got sweet. the bread from St. John and ran back. I was like, I've got you some bread. Uh, they <laughs> and they like, finished their, like, half about, an hour. It uh, <laughs> was about an hour ago. This place is terrible. Let me see the manager. Huh. Let me go and get him. He's <laughs> I run down to St. John, pull him out the bar. And I, the whole story is that he then went up and said, you asked to see me. Yes, huh. the service is terrible. He said, yes, I agree. Now you should leave. <laughs> <laughs> what year was that? That was uh, right after I left art school. So, oh, uh, 90?
0: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Times
2: have changed, I think. Yeah. Do you think or maybe
0: there's still those places, but we've all become much more do you know the story about Damien and, and um Which one? The, which one? The one at um the Grouch Show Club where he he and Aunt got oh, completely Aunt, yeah. trashed at at the, do you know do you know this no. well, maybe. I had just I banned somebody from the river cafe for being rude to one of my waiters. Yeah. And I was telling the story I was telling Aunt and he said, Well, Damien and I went And we got completely, you know, trashed. We were, they closed the doors, and we were kicked out, and we went on the street. And then we found a ladder, and we climbed up, and we um, broke a window. We came in, and then we got sick over the pool table. And then we went and got some alcohol out of the the fridge, and we drank that. Then we, you know, we took something, and we crashed out on the sofas and Marianne the manager came in the next day and she said you know I could call the police you broke and you enter you damaged my property and you stole stuff you know but instead of calling the police, I am going to ban you for twenty four hours. <laughs> twenty four hours. You know? So brilliant. Those were the days. I and I had a customer who just was, was slightly rude to somebody, and, he's, and I said he could never come back again. You know, that's the difference. It is said. the measure of a person. Well, that's why it's good to. Yeah. I think people date people in restaurants. You know, you go mm-hmm. on a date and see how they are to the waiter, or you interview yeah. lots of people. Have you ever interviewed anybody? For a job in a restaurant totally yeah, yeah. You had it
2: on yeah. This morning. i had on this Did morning you? before i came here i, uh, I was met it? with someone was... to hire for the movie actually
0: yeah oh, oh. perfect perfect perfect, oh, perfect. And brilliant oh yeah. good 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 and so yeah. from from being in art school and then being an artist what was it like in the once you were all working, and, and I hate to use the word successful, but mm. successful when you and Jay lived in that house and mm. parties. Was food, did you care about food then? Did you think that you all wanted, or was it, was
2: it important uh, to hard, you? It's hard to sort of cast my mind to that era, because it's that thing, I think Coco Chanel said it, it's, you know, I'm six people away from the person I once was, I think. Yeah. I sometimes feel like that, and so when I think back to those times, I think of myself as a very different person, um, and and so so much sort of shift and change within myself happened during that period. I was suddenly sort of living in this very sort of grand house and living a very different life and and it was all sort of fast rolling and high octane mm. and fast rolling and high octane is fun, and then you can 't it 's so hard to maintain yeah. and and i couldn 't maintain it and I definitely sort of felt like you know would throw these parties and then I would disappear off at about ten o'clock. I remember. Do you remember the part that you didn't um talk about
0: or we haven't talked about in terms of food and being an artist and Mm. in that lifetime was when you were ill. Yeah. And and the diet that you then and I remember very well your Mm. your rigor in dealing with your illness in in the way you ate. And yeah. I think it was really before a lot of us thought about food and health. Mm. And you were unhealthy and you used food to think about health. And um, you also took, you know, you went the scientific route. So you, yeah. you went for the medicine and for yeah. the, the, the but it was an alternative. You, you did it, but you yeah. did do a diet. I remember you very clearly
2: talking yeah. to me about no dairy yeah i mean i have to sort of almost step outside of myself to talk about it but yeah in 1997 six months after i had angelica who's my oldest of four daughters um i got diagnosed with colon cancer and of course it was you know a shock but there was such an urgency in my mind to be well and to get back home and be a mother and be present that i just sort of you know almost jumped out of the hospital bed, and I'm back, I'm fine. And and then three years later, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And, uh, and then I didn't leap out of bed, and I didn't say, I'm back, I'm fine. Mm. I sort of quietly retreated into myself, I think, and I went to a very sort of almost a, a totally different personality to somebody I knew myself as, in a way, mm. in order to figure out a way to get through it and it's it's a trauma and in that trauma um you have to sort of figure out what are my options what are my options of survival and obviously when you're in it you're not thinking clearly in that way but you know it was very much a the first time I didn't take it seriously almost Hmm. second time I'm going to take this very Hmm. seriously (laughs) you know I want to live I want to be a mom and be around and uh that was my, you know, that was the thing. I had Angelica as my purpose and goal to survive for, you know, it was chemotherapy, mastectomy and everything medical mm. that I could. But at the same time, I knew that I had to support that for myself with, I had acupuncture. Mm. I gave up, I gave up drinking and the party life and I gave up, you know, anything that I felt was detrimental to my health, sugar. I gave up dairy and i pretty much is that still do about, you mm-hmm. still
0: not have yeah
2: okay let's not be too puritan. i sugar yes there's every so often but it's yeah, yeah. i'm conscious about eating yeah. it. and i'm conscious about if things have you know i'm very strict about milk very strict about cheese butter i'll allow it mm-hmm. then you know and i'm not going to be too because there's also a point where you just have to you know you have to function in the world and and You know, there was probably at least five years where I was absolutely, I would read every ingredient Mm. and nothing Mm. could be, because I was frightened, you know. And fear is a very good reason to make Mm. sacrifices and changes in your life. I just Mm. shifted into a completely different person in a way. Would you tell somebody who came to
0: see you that if they had cancer in any form, would you would you say to them to try this, to do this It's diet? hard it because you, you don't it,
2: it's difficult because also you know, there's, there's varying you know, your case is different to the next person mm. to the next person, to what level you have it or you know, it's hard to um, advise people in that way. We talked about But I tend food. to people who are in it I try to be, you know, get up in the morning put on a great song, move around yeah. call people when you're feeling down, I try mm. to sort of keep it you know, let, let's keep it in a in a place where we're going to get through this. It's a yeah. job. Yeah. It's a job. And, you know, it's also, you can't, people say, well, you're so brave to have gotten through it, but it's not bravery that gets yeah. you through it because it doesn't mean that people who haven't survived aren't brave. It's getting through it is, you know, a, a, an amount of medical intervention, amount of yeah. luck in terms yeah. of diagnosis and and what you can then do to support all of that. Yeah, but when you talk it about
0: is. the energy or the You know, the getting up and Mm. doing, that has shown that actually that kind of activity
2: Mm.
0: with any illness, with grief. You know, I say that having been through grief in my life that I sort of know the drill, Mm. you know, which is you get out of bed or you, I mean, you can stay Mm. in bed and cry all day too, that's fine. But the from you know the yeah. activity
2: and that and we it is. in the support of you know friendships. Yeah. When I was when I would have chemo, I'd have like Gary Hume and Georgie and yeah. Johnny Shankid and friends would you know, they'd bring food out. and sit around yeah. and sort of laugh and sit with me for yeah. a few hours. Yeah. And you know, you'd you'd sort of feel, you know, the chemo going through your veins. But on the other hand, you could be eating some strawberries and chatting yeah. with friends and yeah. watching watching everyone just, you know, support you in that way. Yeah. And I think, and yeah, and that's also, you know, that was definitely sort of food related in the sense that, you know, chemo can taste bad in your mouth. It's mm. sort of metallic-y.
0: Yeah.
2: And my friends had researched that a little bit. And yeah. I, oh, I've always heard if you have, yeah. you know, some boiled sweets or if you have this or, and then another friend Mango, mango is really good. Rose girl. ate mango. Yeah, it's interesting mango. to say that because Rose Gray, yeah.
0: who started the River Cafe with, and and had breast cancer, just found that she, I mean, I always say that she ate her way through chemo. You know, yeah. she just ate everything, but she not she was careful and yeah. um, as she was before she got sick. But she loved having mangoes. Yeah, know, serotonin, was, I think, yeah, it's good for. But so I think good. it's
2: also, I mean, still now, really, education around nutrition and what's mm. you know. What's good for you to live, like I said, as a mm. keep the machine at optimum level, <laughs> you know, and and maintenance. We maintain our cars sometimes mm. better than our bodies. I think.
1: Hi there. My name is Hamish. I am one of the chefs here at the River Cafe. One of the sauces or dishes that I think is very special to us and is coming back onto the venue a bit more often is our bagna cauda. Um, we make this sauce by reducing down a bottle of Italian uh, red wine or champagne or prosecco, and then we melt in about 12 to 15 cloves of garlic, anchovies, and this creates a really intense, salty, amazing uh, base to a sauce. Then, copious amounts of butter to make it extremely smooth, silky, and just rich and delicious.
0: That is I my favourite anchovy I would and have butter. Anchovies on, on sourdough bread. It's the saltiness of the anchovy, too,
2: mm. is in the butter. But, but um, I think growing up, what it equates to, see, that would be my. I'm successful and knowledgeable, and I can eat anchovies on toast. It comes from growing up with marmite on toast. Oh, yes, I, it's <laughs> it's one of those, and marmite on toast for me has been a constant constant from child, yeah. all the way through my Good. student life, artist life.
0: So I was talking about the solitariness mm. of being an artist, but what about as I go back to the to the cinema when you directed Noah Boy mm. or when you directed Fifty Shades of Grey? Do you mm. do you think about how you feed the people on the set? Does that important to you the way you stop for food break? Was was Anderson said he hates a lunch hour because it makes everybody stop and then yeah. you have to get tired and then you but you, you know, he tried to give everybody soup but then the crew wanted <laughs> meals. How do you deal with uh, Oh, it's you know, interesting. Being on set? I
2: feel absolutely with Wes in that way that I don't like when everyone stops for lunch, but at the same time I do like the communal break of everyone sitting and sort of literally digesting what we've done and talking around food. And I always try to make sure we have reasonably good caterers so that everyone's just sort of enjoying... That time, rather than just complaining, Ugh, this is disgusting.
0: Was there a difference in doing Nowhere Boy and Fifty Shades of Grey? From
2: I'm sure there was. I can't remember, remember? Fifty Shades yeah. had its own trauma, but um, <laughs> but we we yeah. Aaron and I made a movie in 21 days. Um, we did. We made a million little pieces and. It was the yeah. smallest, oh, yeah. smallest, smallest, smallest budget, but we had the best, best food. Does mm. a food
0: culture feel very different from Los Angeles? Move so from you've LA. moved from L.A. to, yeah, to, back to, the, English countryside. It, to the English countryside. Mm. Um, I mean, so what about food?
1: How I mean, does that feel different? It's a radical
2: shift, of, not in our house because we cook the same things, but definitely a different culture of um,
1: well, the difference is, uh, 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 avocados, there's there's uh, certain things that grow differently, uh, so,
2: avocados. you know,
1: yeah, when you were the West we're Coast, so off. if you had these sort of, you know, <laughs> anything Californian or from Mexico, the avocados are different, so guacamole is, like, amazing. Oh, yeah. Have avocados here, they're sort of imported from Spain, and they're hard, and they're fre- and they're there's just no point. There's, no, so point. There's no point. There's no point in avocado on toast. Yeah. Just I don't really, eat that idea. I,
0: I really like, respect that you said that <laughs> because it is to do with the ingredient. Absolutely. Now. What about? do you go to fewer restaurants here? Did you eat out more in LA?
2: We did probably, I think, but we are in the middle of it. But it was nowhere, more urban
0: so. there too, probably. Yeah, yeah. and there was mm. a. I
2: don't know. There was a different. I had a sort of different routine, I think, there for food you know i was really into and i'll have a shake and yes put could you put some reishi mushroom and a little yeah. bit of this and a little bit of that and there everyone seems so knowledgeable about what you nutrition know,
1: yeah
2: about um what each ingredient of this certain mushroom is going to give you you know this one's yeah. for the brain and cognitive function and this one's for memory and this one's for your liver and this one's for you know not, so I was getting quite yeah. good at all of that and yeah. understanding how it was going to benefit me. And then, you know, I, I got here and I was like, where am I going to get my charger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you drink coffee? Ashwank? Do I yeah, do you drink coffee? I do. I'm
0: You're new to coffee. Yeah. We're very
1: new to coffee. But, but I like think. the American coffee. was just the sort of the diner coffee. Was just yeah. The, it was, just yeah, the yeah. all-day, full-on, yeah. filtered coffee yeah. where it was just yeah. sort of, yeah.
0: Tell me but about food in your house. What is it's, it's well.
2: Two chil- How many children are Four. Open? I so mean, four, at, at, we have four this weekend. Time. Yeah. Um, they're all four at home. I mean, my speciality is the pancakes, uh. so I'd like to say. I'm the pancakes person. Uh. Bitanesca. I, I have my dishes. But the pancakes, so in the mornings I, I can make crepes, I can make big fluffy pancakes, as they're called, mm. or I can do the green pancakes, which are... Romy, my youngest one, absolutely loves. She's very vegetarian. Um, what are the green, what, what is that?
0: How are they made? What's it? What's, it's
2: um, they, they're basically uh, one egg, one banana, gluten-free flour, a handful of spinach, and uh, hmm. cinnamon and vanilla. Yeah. And oh, and and a cup of almond milk, hmm. and blitzed, and then and then fried in coconut oil. Oh. And they puff up and they're absolutely they delicious. They puff up, do they? They puff up with yeah. a little bit of uh, baking yeah. powder in there. Yes. And um, and then with syrup so on top. On the top. Maybe yeah, Aaron's good at cooking yeah. literally sort of seven, eight dishes are on the table when he cooks. And yeah. I'm just like. That's so nice. I can't yeah. bake. <laughs> yeah. When Aaron ever goes into the kitchen to bake, we all are literally waiting for a blood splattering of the Because you're always. And once took cherry it off with the,
1: with the blender, didn't with I? the cherry pie. What was the blender know. thing that you used to Oh, you yeah, pressed? the hand
2: blender. Oh, yeah, He put yeah. his finger in it. Yeah. Well, I was
1: trying to take what was left over dough off around the. F- face uh-uh. so with my finger blades. but my hand uh-huh. was obviously gripping the top uh-huh. of the the button so it went uh-huh. it went uh-huh. and blitzed the top of my I uh, <laughs> don't have much of a nail on that one uh-huh. I yeah. tip finger so, off
0: yeah so what do you do for desserts do you have desserts just or don't or do let you me just don't have it? them
1: don't. you and Romy Romy our youngest is a bit of a baker actually yeah. so we recently we got a apple really beautiful
2: crumble
1: yeah we've got a gorgeous apple orchard in Somerset and, and uh, with a mixture of cooking apples and cider apples and could eat. And blackberries
2: and, everywhere right now. at the
1: moment, there's tons mm. of blackberries. So recently it was a blackberry um, and, and apple crumble.
0: My last questions to you, Aaron, and to you, Sam, would be if you need food for comfort, is there a food that you would reach for?
2: Marmite in a jacket potato is probably actually, pro- could trump the anchovy on toast, but marmite... Butter jacket potato, that is my comfort food. Okay. I know I'm looking at you. No, 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 I? that's fine.
0: Thank you. You will be. You're my comfort. Oh my love. love Thank you. you, Sam. Thank, Thank you, Anne. you, Thank you. This
2: was a joy. Thank nice. you so much.
0: The River Cafe Lookbook is on sale. A hundred pages of beautiful photographs that will inspire you to cook. It's a lookbook. It's a cookbook. Order one now. Ruthie's Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you
2: listen to your favorite shows.